Good morning. Can you still say Happy New Year? I feel like I should say Happy New Year. It still feels new, even though the second week is, is in the books. Two down, 50 more to go. So like Jessica said, my name's Benjamin. Uh, my wife, Catherine, and I are on staff here as uh, pastoral interns at Emerge Church. We serve uh, with our college students. So listen, hey, yeah, come on. Give, our college students are awesome, man. We got some awesome young people doing some awesome things in this church. And so shout out those guys. If you know a college-age person, introduce them to myself or Catherine afterwards. We'd love to get them, love to get them plugged in. And so uh, like Jessica mentioned, uh, Pastor Wade and Pastor Cynthia, they are... Uh, they're down in Louisiana, and, I, and I, I love our pastors, and I always want to give credit where credit's due because they are wonderful, but today is not about them. Today is about Pastor Wade's parents. Mr. Jimmy and Miss Carol are celebrating 50, 5-0, 50 years of marriage. Come on, can we give it up for 50, 50 years? I tried to go get a haircut yesterday, and they told me that the wait time was 50 minutes. I walked out. 50 years. That is absolutely incredible. It's incredible. It's incredible. You know, um, we don't use that word right, incredible. Credible mean, credible means that it's, it's believable, it's reliable. Incredible is that it's not believable. And um, you got to be careful with your credibility, you know? You can't, just, you can't just believe everything you hear. And I, and I just want to take a second. While we're celebrating this 50-year wedding anniversary for Mr. Jimmy and Miss Carol, there is a lie that I want to dispel that's been passed around for decades now. And stop me if you've heard this, that 50% of all marriages end in divorce. That's a lie. That is not true. That is not, not true. It is not even close to true. It's not credible. What happened was sometime in the 80s, there was, this, there was this news anchor who was not very good at math, by the way, studied and saw that there were 2.some million marriages in that one year in 1980-something. And in that same single year, there was like 1.something million divorces. And so, again, in a ludicrous assumption of mathematics, he deduced that because there were this many marriages and half as many divorces, that means that Half of marriages end in divorce. That's like saying that 2.4 million people are born in a given year and 1.2 million people die in a given year. That means 50% of life ends in death. It's not even close. But the enemy has a scheme against the institution of marriage, and he doesn't want you to see 50 years. He doesn't want you to see it because if he can get in and if he can repeat a lie enough over and over and over, we begin to believe it. You know that the, that, the, that the divorce rate is actually on the decrease? It's actually going down. It's like actually like 24, 25%. But the enemy doesn't want you to know that. And I, I, didn't, I didn't come here to talk about marriage today, but um, I just wanted to share that. Credibility is critical. Just because you hear something on TikTok doesn't mean that it's true. All right? It's called TikTok truth. Can't build your life on TikTok truth. But you can build your word on the solid rock, the truth, the word of God, the firm foundation that is the word of God. Now listen, I'm just a man. I can't change your life, but the word of God can. You ready for the word today? Let's get into the word. We're going to go to Ephesians. So if you brought your book, if you brought your Bible today, you can open up Ephesians. You got your, uh, your Bible app. 
Ephesians 4. They'll even have it on the screen. Ephesians 4, 21 through 23. Since you have heard, there's that credibility. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature, your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes. How many of you know somebody that needs a renewal of their attitude? Don't look at anybody. Don't look at anybody. Don't look at anybody right now. And put on your new nature. Verse 24. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Holy Spirit, come. We invite you in to this moment here now. With you, we have a chance to be righteous. With you, we can be made holy. And so we invite you in to our hearts and to our minds. Change us. Renew us. Restore us. And it's in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so if you weren't here last week because you tuned in online, I know that you didn't skip. Last Sunday, we kicked off our 21 days of prayer and fasting. Yeah, one person is excited about 21 days of prayer and fasting. Listen, I can relate, all right? It, it, it's, it's, been, um, it's been challenging, but you know, if it doesn't challenge you, it won't change you. I'll just, I'll just be honest with you. I was ready to quit before we even started the fast, all right? We were we weren't even we were we weren't even to church last week and I and I was talking to Catherine and I was like, you know, I feel like the Lord is calling me to fast from this or fast from that and I just you know I just I I don't think I can do it. And she was like, Darling. Now my wife doesn't sound like Conway Twitty, you know, hello, darling. She said, Darling. She said, Darling, if if he's calling you to it, he'll give you grace for it. And so Yes, it's going to be challenging. Yes, it's going to be hard. But I just want you to know if he's calling you to it, there's grace for it. We're believing for God to change us. We want to have an encounter with him. We're truly pressing in. We're fasting. We're praying. And we we want to experience him so that we can be changed. Our lives can be changed. Our minds can be changed. Our attitudes can be changed. We're believing for healings. We're believing for miracles. We're believing for people to come to know Jesus. And so many of you, you got week one out of the way. Listen, hey, I was at uh, uh, prayer night Wednesday night. Again, if you, if you weren't there, I, you got to come. Wednesday night was incredible. And so after, uh, afterwards, Wednesday night, I was, talking to one of our, I was talking to one of our college students. She pulled me aside. She said, you know, I was so excited for the fast. I started on January 1st. I'm already in week two. She was fired up, y'all. So maybe that's you. Maybe you've been going, and I want to encourage you. But maybe maybe you're like me. Maybe you've met a little bit of discouragement. Maybe you've met a little bit of challenge. I want to encourage you. You can get back on. You can start again. Maybe you never heard about it. Maybe this is the first time that you have ever heard about the 21 days of prayer and fasting. That's okay. You can start right now. Praying and fasting is an intentional time for you to remove something from your life so that God can fill it. And in doing that, you grow in your relationship with him. All right? Now, growing in your relationship with God is kind of like planting a tree. 
The best time to do it was about 40 years ago. All right? But the next best time to do it is right now. It's right now. If you want to start fasting, you can do it right now. It's never too late to start. So I want to encourage you to get in on it. Get in on our prayer and fasting. We're doing it for the first 21 days of the year to set aside the first portion of the year to let God know we want to be intentional with our first. We want to give you our first. We want to meet God. We want this to be the best year of our lives. And I believe if you grow closer to God this year, it will be. It will be. You know, I was reminded of that verse. Um, My grace is sufficient for you. Uh, My power is made perfect in your weakness. That's what you're doing. You are loving God with all of your strength when you're fasting. When you remove something from your life that's usually there that props you up, he meets you in it. So maybe it's, maybe it's food. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's social media. Maybe it's whatever it is. He will meet you there. I want to encourage you because his grace is sufficient. His grace is sufficient. You can say that over yourself. Say his grace is sufficient. His grace is sufficient. Say it like you mean it. His grace is sufficient. It's sufficient. It's sufficient. It's sufficient. It's got enough. Listen, you're not going to overwhelm God with whatever you're bringing to him. It's sufficient. So we kicked off our 21 days of prayer and fasting. We also quick kicked off a, uh, a new sermon series entitled Let's Get Spiritual. And Pastor Wade had to say it, but listen, I was thinking that song in my mind. Let's get spiritual. I was sitting right there. Even when he said, it was, maybe that, it's just me. I got a good taste of music. I don't care what you say. But he taught out of Zechariah, Zechariah 4, 6. It said, this is the word of the Lord. It's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. It's by his spirit. And we said that there's so much, especially in a new year, there's so much that we're believing for, and there's so much that we're hoping for, and there's so much that we're trying to accomplish in our own efforts, but we, we wind up short. And year after year, resolution after resolution, we find these struggles. But see, he is the source And everything else that comes is a resource. And so we just have to tap into the Holy Spirit. He wants to give us the Spirit because we need help. And He is the helper that will get us to where we're trying to go. God made us to be spiritual so that His Spirit would dwell inside of us. And we can be Spirit-led and we can be Spirit-filled. So today is part two of let's get spiritual. Now, you probably heard this one before. I hear it a lot. And I'm still trying to decide how I feel about it. Um, Tell me if you've heard uh, new year, new me. New year, new me. And and, and I like it because there's a a distinct aura, or, or shall I say spirit, of optimism. Right? When the new year turns over, it's January 1st, or maybe it was January 3rd, or maybe it was January 7th. Like me, I needed a week to kind of recover from the holidays. And like finally after the 7th, I was like, okay, I need to kind of, I need to kind of get focused. So we, we're, we're, we're a week into this thing. I need to figure out where I'm trying to go, what I'm trying to do. And we make these resolutions. We make these goals. And we get motivated. And that's good. Motivation is good if you want to start something. 
But you're going to need more than motivation if you're going to maintain something. Some of you guys know me. I'm a pretty emotional kind of guy. I get fired up. I get fired up real easy. I'm usually a crier. I just, I'm an emotional kind of guy. And um, I want to tell you a story about one time my emotions got the better of me. Now, um, for those of you that know, I did, uh, once upon a time, play football at the University of Georgia. And I'm not bringing that up because they are the reigning back-to-back champions. I'm not, that's not what this is about. It's about spiritual maturity. I'm trying to show you something, okay? The first time I ever set foot on the field, y'all, I was so excited. I was fired up. You could say I was motivated. And I had a job to do. My job was to cover the kickoff. So when the kicker would kick the ball, we run down, and we try to knock the snot out of the guy who's got it. And so I'm excited, and I'm looking around. I'm overwhelmed with emotions, and I see all the fans in the stands. And by the time I realize what's happening, the kicker has already kicked the ball, and I'm standing still. Everyone else is running down the field, and I'm standing there late. And so maybe sometimes our emotions get the better of us and we're supposed to be going somewhere and we wind up being a little late. Sometimes we get a little overstimulated and we get stuck where we are and we're not going where we're supposed to be going. But hey, that's okay. You can recover. I got good news. I recovered. I took off. I ran and I saw the ball and I'm running and I'm locked in and I'm focused. And about that time, this is a football term. It's called a decleater. About that time when I was just getting close to the ball, I got decleated. Cleated. Brandon Pettigrew, he played for the Detroit Lions for about six years, came out of nowhere, and y'all, all I saw was sky. I saw the ball, it was gone, and then there was sky. That was it. It was over. I got hit. I got hit. I got knocked down. And a lot of times we begin these years with some spiritual motivation, and after a little while, something comes our way and hits us. And you get hit hard. Maybe the budget isn't balancing like you thought it would be this year. Maybe the job search didn't wind up the way that you hoped it would this year. I think about the students that are trying to balance life and growth and schedules and everything that they've got coming at with them and then they get hit. It can knock you down. But it doesn't have to take you out. When you get hit and when you get knocked down, that's just a reminder that you can't be sustained on motivation. You can't be sustained on emotions or feelings. We've got to, as believers, we have got to stop living by feelings and start living by faith. Because we're going to get hit. Believe you me, the enemy does not want to see you advance. And so he's going to send attacks after you. And when we get hit, we have to live by faith in those moments. And we have to get back to some spiritual maturities. We can't just be spiritually motivated. We've got to be spiritually mature. In uh, week one, Pastor Wade gave an online sermon, and he said something that really stuck with me. He said, there are some practical things that have some spiritual benefits. You know, it doesn't have to be all spiritual. Spiritual is good. We were created to be spiritual. 
But a lot of times, at least for me, I do well with the practical. Come on, do we have any practical folks in the house today? Practicality. You can do some things that are practical, and those practical things have spiritual benefits. You know, I've... um, I'm a blessed man. I have, I have a wonderful wife. I have a wonderful family. And something that we've been blessed with is a lot of children. <laughs> we have four. We have four. We got two at once one time. And uh, I want to tell you, I want to tell you, I want to tell you a story about, about the twins, Amos and Otis. They're about, I don't know, two and a half years old. And so, I mean, they are just wide open. I mean, they are wide open all the time, sun up to sundown. They're wide open. But right now, something that's really cool is they're learning how to talk. All right? They're learning how to talk, and they've got a lot of it figured out, but there are some things that are challenging for them. Like, they get some words mixed up. Like, uh, when, a lot of times when they mean to say I, and they're talking about themselves, instead of saying I, they'll say my. Like, uh, I play outside. They say, my play outside. Or they say, uh, my, I got stinky poop. You know, like, instead of saying <laughs> I, they say my. And, and not only do they get the words mixed up, sometimes there, there are some letters that are challenging for them. Uh, it, was, it was cold yesterday. We were, we were leaving the house, and uh, Amos went to put on his vest. And V is a hard letter for a two-and-a-half-year-old. So he was getting dressed, and he was so proud. He came to see me. He said, Daddy, I put on my vest. I was like, yes, you did, Amos. You did put on your best. And so he gets his, his, his V's and the, and the B's mixed up. And so if you've ever been around a lot of little kids, especially twins, there's always a power struggle. Like this possession thing about whose toy is this? I'm playing with that. No, it's mine. No, it's mine. And so I will hear them uh, um, uh, spiritedly speak to one another from, from across the house and I will hear them uh, yell at the other one and say something along the lines of, I want to have it. And instead of saying, I want to have it, what it comes out sounding like is, my habit. My habit. He's trying to say, I want to have that toy, Otis, or I want to have that toy, Amos. But what he says, instead of saying, I have it, he says, my habit. And the Lord stopped me. And yes, you can have it all. But the things that you want to have, you can have it if you have it. And so today in part two of Let's Get Spiritual, we're going to talk about some spiritual habits. Spiritual habits. Now, if you're taking notes, you're like me, you can't move forward if you don't have a title. This would be the title, Spiritual Habits. But you guys know I like my titles. So if you want a spicy title, I got one for you. It's You Can Have It All. Because you can. You can have it all. What is a habit? Let's talk about it for a second. Let's define a habit. First of all, let me tell you what a habit is not. A habit is not a goal. A lot of times these words get interchanged. Okay, A goal is, by definition, the object of ambition or effort. It's an aim or a desired result. That's your goal. A habit, listen, a habit is an acquired mode of behavior that has become nearly or completely involuntary. We're in the middle of 21 days and fasting. And so we're trying to go somewhere 
in this time. And I just want to encourage you, get this, get this image in your mind. Your goals, your goals are good. That's the first step. you got to have some goals. You need to sit down and think about where you want to go. Your goals, those are the mile markers on your map, okay? Your journey, you got to have some mile markers. Those are your goals. But your habits, your habits are the vehicle for movement along the journey. You're going to come to a goal, but you can't stay there. You're going to pass it. And your habits are going to carry you through the days, through the months, through the years on this journey that we're trying to go on. We all have our various destinations. We all have our callings. But it's our habits that are going to move us. Your habits can also keep you where you're at. We all have habits that we need to start. I'm probably like some of you crazy people, and I tried to start exercising uh, at the beginning of this year. And so if you saw me about uh, bite it, trying to come up the steps, it's because my legs feel like they're made out of wet cement right now. I got a little too carried away at leg day. And so I'm trying to exercise, and that's good. It's a good habit to start. But we also have some habits that we need to break. Can we talk about this for a second? I know it's not fun. I know it's not exciting, but can we talk about the habits that we need to break? 21 days, I can't help but realize or think about the fact that we're in 21 days of prayer and fasting. You know, it takes, science studies shows it takes 21 days to create a habit. 21 days. So over the course of this 21 days, and hey, maybe you're starting today. That's okay. It's a great time to start. Over the course of these 21 days, you can create a habit or you can break a habit. That's why we're doing these 21 days. It's a spiritual approach that will help us make or break some things in your life. Some, some, some of us need some things to break in our life. There's some stuff that has been there so long, we're starting to think that it's a part of the family. It's been around for a few generations, and we've just gotten used to it. We can break that off in Jesus' name. We can break that off. In 21 days of prayer and fasting, you can break that off with the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm believing for it. Some habits to break. I mean, gossip. We just call it conversation. But really, it's gossip. Complaining. Oh, well, you know, it was really cold in there this morning. I just, you know, they should really turn the heat on. I mean, call it what you want to call it. Habits that we need to break. How about profanity? Talking about uh, uh, doing things unconsciously. It's such an ingrained habit that we just drop this profanity without even thinking. And those are just the PG-13 habits that we need to break. I'm not going to talk about the R-rated habits. Happy New Year. (laughs) Spiritual activities yield practical results, and practical activities can yield spiritual results. Yes, it takes motivation to start the process, but it takes maturity to keep it going. And so I want to share with you guys today three habits that I believe can change your life. And this is not the most spiritual thing. We're not going to get down on the floor and do any of that. I'm talking about practical habits, things that you can do every day to change your life. The first habit I want to talk to you about is getting in God's Word. Getting in God's 
word. The word of God can change your life. The word of God is infallible. It is spirit breathed and it can change your life. As you read the word of God, it reads you. It's full of information, but more than information, it is full of the revelation of who God is. And when you can get to a glimpse of who God is, you can accurately see yourself. You can see yourself the way God sees you when you get in his word. I mentioned earlier that we got a lot of kids. I don't have any favorites. I just publicly put that out there right now. But the last one, uh, well... He's the last one that we got so far. I'm not saying anything. But Joshua is our youngest. He's our baby. He's our extra portion baby. And so he's about, uh, I don't know, 15 months old. And so, you know, the first year of his life, he was sustained by breast milk, right? He, Catherine was fortunate enough to where she was healthy enough and she could do that for him. And so I think about Joshua. And he, we, he's recently weaned off of, off of breast milk. And when he doesn't get his milk, Y'all, he turns from the sweetest little, cuddliest little, happiest little, mild manner baby. He turns into, he turns into something ferocious. I mean, his his face turns red. He's screaming. He doesn't want his toys. He doesn't want to be comforted. There's nothing else he wants than his milk. And if you guys have ever met Joshua, he's a sweet baby. He's a sweet baby, but don't mess with him when it comes to his milk. He wants his milk. He wants his milk. And so I was thinking about that. I was reminded of 1 Peter. 1 Peter 2.2. It says, like newborn babies crave, other translations say long for or desire the pure milk of the word, so that by it you may be nurtured and grow in respect to salvation. That's probably the problem with a lot of us. We're spiritually malnourished. We're walking around snapping on people because we're hangry. We're hangry. When I get hangry, you don't want to be around me. But too many times, we as believers who gather here on Sunday, we walk out into life. We walk out into the world, and we are a misrepresentation of the God that fills us. It's because we're not sustained by his word. We got to get the habit. We got to get the habit. We got to get the habit of getting in God's word. And be full, be nourished, so that we can grow. Too much, and too many times we're empty and void of the Word of God. You think about, think about like, like there, there, there is a hunger problem in a lot of these third world countries. And if you've ever been on a mission or you've ever seen a picture of 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 these kids, they look like they're full, right? Their 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 belly is so bloated it's swollen up, but it's it's empty. There's nothing inside because they're malnourished. And I just can't help but think that sometimes, too often, we as believers are puffed up. We're bloated. We're full. But we don't have the one thing that we need inside of us that is the Word of God. The Word of God nourishes us. It sustains us. you got to get in the habit of getting in God's Word. God's Word helps me see the changes that I need to make. But it also will challenge you to the chances that you need to take. It will fill your spirit. Your spirit will change. When you get into the word of God, the word of God gets into you. 
and your spirit becomes full, your spirit becomes nourished, and you begin to have clarity and vision for where you need to go and what you need to do. And it's because you're fed. It's because you're fed. There's another verse, uh, Romans 12. Romans 12, 2, if you could put it up on the screen, it talks about the ways of the world. Do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind and the washing of the word. And so many times we're going about life in our patterns and routines are good. We're talking about habits. That's good. But whose patterns? Whose habits? How, what are you doing that is, is autopilot in your life? At the beginning of the year, I just want to encourage you to take a minute, do some self-reflection and some self-inventory, and try to figure out and measure what is on autopilot. What is ingrained? What is so natural to you that you don't even have to think? Like, playing sports, I was not very good at baseball, but, you know, if it was a sport, I was playing it. And so, like, I remember being out there not wanting to be there because I wasn't very good, and, and the coach would just hit ground balls, ground balls. For hours, ground balls, for hours, pop-ups, for hours. Like, why? Why can't we go drop bombs, coach? Like, I want to go hit. Like, why are we taking ground balls? It's because they're fundamentals. You need to be able to do these things without thinking. So when you get in the game and a ground ball comes your way, you don't boo it. You got the fundamentals. You got the habits. It's in you. When you get in God's word, his word gets in you. You. So that is a practical habit, a practical habit. It's too easy. It's on your refrigerator. It's on your cell phone. It's in your Bible. You can read whatever it is. And hey, listen, I'm not talking about perfection here. This is not. All right. I'm going to be I'm going to be real. Can I be real? I'm going to be real. About two. I don't know. Two, three. I can't remember. A few years ago. Same thing, beginning of the year. It's so funny how this thing happens every single year. We all do this. We're, we're creatures of habit. So I wanted to read the Bible. I wanted to spend more time in the Bible. I knew that I needed to spend more time in the Bible. And so, yo, I got like this giant piece of cardboard, and I wrote down every single book in the Bible, and I had a little box, and I underlined it in red, and I mounted it on my wall in my bedroom, and I was going to read the entire Bible in a calendar year. And I had this awesome chart. And I was going to check the boxes. And I was so proud. I went and got my wife. And I was like, Catherine, look what I made. I got this chart. I'm going to read the Bible in one year. And she was like, baby, as long as I've known you, you are not consistent in reading your Bible. Why don't you try to just read it for like three days in a row before you try to read it for 365 days in a row? I'm just being real. She's keeping it real. And I needed to hear that. And I got a little 21-day Bible plan, and I didn't finish it. I just keep it. I'm just being honest, man. Keep it 100. That's what the kids say. But it's a habit. And it's not about perfection. It's about progress. If you could just do it one time, if you could just read one verse, if you could just read one chapter, just one, just get in it once a day, every day, your appetite will grow. Isn't it funny how when you're hungry, you think you're hungry until you sit down into to a, to a plate of delicious food. You thought you were hungry, but your appetite grows when you got some good food in front of you. 
You can tell we're on a fast. We're talking about a lot of food today. Your appetite for the word will grow. Just get started. Just get started. Anything, anywhere, just get started. There are so many resources out there. Just get started. Habit number one, get in God's word. Habit number two, get in prayer and worship. Y'all, we got these prayer nights. It's next level. I'm not even playing. Hey, no offense to what we do on Sundays. This is great. It's wonderful. We need to do it. Wednesday night is something different. Wednesday night, Wednesday night was something there. You could just feel it. You could just feel the power and the presence. It was incredible. If I would encourage you to get in on the Wednesday nights, prayer and worship. And so um, we got, let's see, I talked about Joshua. Got the twins, Amos, Otis. Oh, yeah, my firstborn. Ellison. So I've got, I've got three boys and, and, and one girl, my oldest, uh, Ellison. Uh, her birthday is July the 12th. And so January the 12th is a very special day because on January the 12th, that's when she turns a half year of whatever year she is. So July the 12th, she turned six. But January the 12th, which was this week, she turned six and a half. And so if you've ever been around a six and a half year old, they ask a lot of questions. I mean, their minds are just racing. They have a lot of thoughts. They have a lot of questions. And it seems to always happen when we're, like, driving somewhere. Like, she really just wants to unload all the questions that she's just been thinking about all week. And she just lets them fly. And we're riding in the car. And she's like, Daddy, what about this? Or, Daddy, where are we going? And, Daddy, can we go get a Chick-fil-A? And, Daddy, can we? And, and, and she asks all these questions. And the thing I like to think about is... When she asks a question and I give her an answer, there's no rebuttal after that. Like, when she asks a question and I give her the answer, that's it. Because she trusts me. I'm her father. What I say to my child is the truth. Like, if she asks me to go get Chick-fil-A and I say, no, we are not going to Chick-fil-A. That's the truth. But if I say yes, if I say yes, it's as good as done. She can trust me because I'm her father. I care for her. And so the practical habit of getting into prayer and worship, when you pray, you're talking with your heavenly father. And, 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 and too many times our prayer language is, is halted or thwarted because we don't have the appropriate perspective of who we're praying to. You are praying to your daddy. You are praying to your father. You are praying to the one that loves you and cares for you and that can be trusted above all else. That's who you're talking to. And if we could just get a glimpse at to who we're talking to, it would change our prayers. And we would trust what he says. Philippians 4, 6, 7 says, do not worry about anything. Don't worry about Chick-fil-A. I said, yes, we're going. But instead, pray about everything. Say everything. Everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. Then you will experience the peace. See, you don't experience the peace when you list out all your stressors. 
or you list out all your worries and you close your eyes and you look up and you confess all of the things that, are, that, are, that have you stressed out, that's not prayer. That's just spewing anxiety. But when you actually engage and you can look at the Father, then it says, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds and transcends anything that we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts. His peace will guard your minds. For those of you, as you live in Christ Jesus, that's what you're doing when you pray. And I want to encourage you because at these prayer nights, we have some prayer warriors that come up here, y'all. Pastor Wade, Pastor Cynthia, they will pray down heaven for you. Ask anybody that has prayed with them. They believe for us when we couldn't have any kids. We were struggling with infertility, and they prayed for us. And y'all, I got more blessings than I got bedrooms. They will pray it down. And that's what we do on Wednesday nights. We learn how to pray and we grow as we exercise these muscles and create these habits. We got to get in the habit. We got to get in the habit of getting in prayer and worship. It's how you connect with God. It's how we get in his presence. And you won't always feel like it. I'll just be honest with you. You won't always feel like it. I don't always feel like it. I don't always feel like lifting my hands. But like it says in Philippians 4, you can remember and think about all that he has done. See, too many times we're thinking about what we need. We're thinking about what we want. We're thinking about what we don't have. If you could just one second remember the time that you should have gotten in that car accident or your son should have been strung out or you shouldn't have passed that test, but you made it. And it was for nothing other than the goodness of God. You wouldn't mind raising your hands. And if you build the habit of worshiping, it will make you more like him. That's what we're going to be doing for eternity is worshiping. And if you make it a habit now, it will make you more like him. It's easy to get into the habit of worrying. I say that in this 21 days of prayer and fasting, we break the habit of worry and we get into the habit of worship. We get off of self-dependence and we start getting into a posture of depending on God for everything. And when you, when you worship, it brings his presence into your arena. If you can get into God's presence, God's presence will get into you. That's what happens when you pray and when you worship, that's the second spiritual habit that I want to share with you is about praying and worship. It's a habit. It's a habit. Raise your hands. It's a habit. Habit number three is getting in God's house. We have got to this year, we have got to get into God's word. We have got to get into prayer and worship. And we have got to get into God's house. Psalm 92.13 says it like this. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord, not just tune in online, which is great. We needed it. Y'all, the gospel never got farther than it did in 2022. It moved places that the devil didn't think it could ever move in 2020 because of church online. And look at us now. In 2023, we're going places that we never thought we would go. God bless church online. But there is nothing like being planted 
in the house of the Lord. And those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. Can we talk about decision-making for a second? We talked about goals. We talked about habits. Can we talk about decision-making for a second? Do you know when it's not the right time to decide if you're going to go to the gym? At 5.45 in the morning when your alarm clock is going off, that is not the time to make the decision. Because as the Bible says, uh, the, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. You're not going to the gym when you roll over at 5.45 in the morning and think about it. I'm sorry. You're hitting the snooze. You're rolling back over because that bed's too warm and it's cold outside. We live in the sunshine state. It should not be like this. Sacrilege. The decision has to already be made. You don't decide to go to church when Sunday rolls around. It's Sunday morning. Oh, I didn't know this one was coming. It happens every seven days. Where did Sunday come from? I wonder if I should go to church today. No, 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 no. The decision is made. We will be planted in the house of the Lord, and we shall flourish in his course. The decision is made. We are going to church. We are going to go to church. And not only are we going to go to church, but we are going to build the church. We are going to serve at the church. We are going to give to the church. We are the church. The decision is made. And so when the time or the opportunity comes around, that's when you step into what he has for you because the decision is already made a lot of times these words that we're talking about uh, goals uh, habits um, decisions they have this um, discipline element to them doesn't it feel like a little doesn't it feel a little disciplinarian this morning that's the wrong view that's the wrong lens it's not discipline It's faithfulness. It's faithfulness. We're faithful to the word of God. We're faithful to pray to our Lord. We're faithful to worship our creator. We're faithful to come to church. And you're faithful when you're full of faith. You're not called to be rigid. You're not called to be a a Christian robot. You're called to be faithful. And all these things that we're talking about, these goals, these habits, they're taking us somewhere. It's to a lifestyle. It's to a lifestyle of faithfulness. That's what you're called to. You're called to a lifestyle of faithfulness. I told you, and a lot of people know this, 21 days to to make a habit, that's true. But it takes 90 days to create a lifestyle. And the only way that we are going to create this lifestyle, the life that we want to live, because we all see it, it happens every January. New year, new me. We have this life that we want to live. We have these things that we want to do. But it's not about the things that you're going to do. It's about who you're going to be. You're going to be faithful. You're going to be full of God's word. 
There's no need for projects when you're being faithful. Oh, I want to go to the gym. Oh, I want to clean out my garage. Oh, I'm going to eat better. The decision is already made. There's no need for this list of projects of things that we've got to do. Oh, i got to serve here. Oh, I need to join an e-group there. Oh, you know, I really should think about tithing. It's not about doing. The activities are gone. The projects are gone when you are faithful. You don't have to live your life moving about project to project. If you can just walk in this life of faithfulness. We're faithful to build God's house. Because when we build his house, he builds our house. Our house, the house, the temple for the spirit of the living God that dwells inside of you. That's what gets built. It's not your bank account. It's not your neighborhood. God can use, it's all his. It's all his. He can use it all. This church has impacted so many people, so many organizations, nations far and wide outside of this country. It's from a lifestyle of faithfulness. And when you live a lifestyle of faithfulness, it's just like he told you today when we were singing that song. You can have it all if you have it all. I want you to close your eyes. I want you to stand to your feet. And I just want your, I want your posture to be one of talking to your daddy. Because your daddy wants to talk to you. And some of us have good daddies. Some of us had daddies that weren't around. We're not talking about those guys. We're talking about your heavenly Abba Father. The one that knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb. And there's a life that you want to live. And it's the life that he purposed for you. And this is the year of the Lord's favor. So I just want you to whisper to him quietly. Whatever it is. Whatever you're believing him for this time. This is going to be the time. Because we're going to do it your way, God. Holy Spirit, I feel you in this place right now. Minister to your people. The only way that you can. It's not just words. They're not just points. We don't need another sermon. We need the Spirit of God to fill us and to propel us to walk into the things that you have in store for us. God, we are available. We give you our yes because you can do so much more with our yes than what we can. If we would just put it in your hands. God, I pray that you would give us the courage. God, you would give us the faith. You would give us the belief to let it go. To give it to you. And to trust you. God, we believe. We say yes.
Lord, I pray that Emerge Church would get your attention. You would look at us and you would use us and you would send us forth to accomplish all the things that you have. We say yes. We're available. Come and use us. In Jesus' name, amen. In Jesus' name.